You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Listeners, you're now tuned into Queering the Air on 3CR Community Radio, and I'm Iris Lee. First, I'd like to start off by acknowledging I'm broadcasting over the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people and Bonarong peoples of the Kulin Nations. I'd like to pay my respects to all Indigenous elders and yeah, acknowledge the resistance that is ongoing on these lands. Yeah, I'm Iris, and I'm a white settler, and... Yeah, just coming from that acknowledgement, it's not enough to just acknowledging that we live and benefit from stolen from stolen land as settlers, but to act in solidarity and so many ways to do that. And one of them at the moment is just, and it's obviously not limited to such a thing as a donation, but the COVID-19 First Nations Mutual Aid Fund, Victoria, is still ongoing and it's a really amazing fund run by some amazing grassroots First Nations here in Melbourne so definitely support that yeah I'd like to thank Psychedelia too for the previous hour of broadcasting um today we've got a pretty exciting show but I'll first get firstly talk about another fundraiser and this is one I've had a little bit to do with but only a small part um so there's a fundraiser for incarcerated trans and diverse community and yeah, it's set up to support criminalised trans and gender diverse folk. So that's a lot of people experiencing intersecting oppressions, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander trans people. And I guess that's, yeah, it's recognising the violence and isolation of the prison system. If we think of this time and we think of, um, yeah, many people inside have gone six, seven months without visits as well. And yeah, I guess it comes from a place that I do have. I don't believe in prisons. That's that's my sort of politics as well. Um, And we don't really hear, there isn't really that much support for people inside and they experience a lot of violence, but also resist it so much. So yeah, I'm coming from it from a solidarity perspective as well. Yeah, and definitely got on that. And so far it's been really good to see community support for that and um, yeah, the funds raised over thirty thousand dollars, and that's going to support so many people. Um, it's really great. It's going to support um, things like clothing and rent assistance, uh, including including for a mar- married trans man who can't get Centrelink. But yeah, it's going to be it's awesome to see that happening. Yeah, so check that out at. Incarcerated Trans and Gender Diverse Community Funds at GoFundMe. And as well as that and the COVID-19 Big First Nations Fund, I'll put those in the show notes on queryingthe3cr.org.au when I posted this podcast. Um, yeah, so on to today's show, I had the privilege of talking to Alison Thorne, LGBTIQ liberationist and member of Radical Women and the Freedom Socialist Party. And we discuss 
what was seen in terms of state protest for oppression lately and attacks on civil liberties, as well as like very harsh punitive fine regimes in and in calling for like a health response rather than a punitive policing one. And also go into some reflections on responses to the HIV AIDS pandemic in a time of this pandemic as well, because Alison was heavily involved in responses to HIV AIDS. So stay tuned to Crewing the Earth 3CR Community Radio for that interview later. And first up, we have some tunes by Alice Sky and Kian with Better Things Coming After Grand Ideas by Alice Sky. Yeah. 
Listening to Kareem Dia on 3CR Community Radio. That was Better Things by the wonderful Kian, and before that, Grand Ideas by the lovely Alice Sky. Next up, we hear from Alison Thorne. Stay tuned to 3CR Community Radio. Thanks for joining me on 3CR Kareem Dia, Alison Thorne. Uh, we're going to be talking a bit about pushing for a health response to the pandemic, not the punitive police response we're seeing quite significantly across this continent. Um, In recent weeks, we've seen heavy police repression of education and trans rights protests in Sydney. And also we're going to be connecting this to responses to the ongoing HIV AIDS pandemic, pandemic, particularly the earlier responses, which you're involved in, Alison, because, yeah, I'm so glad to have you on the program. You're um, LGBTIQ liberationist and you're involved in the founding of the Victorian AIDS Council, now known as Thorn Harbour Health, like named after yourself. Um, yeah, so we're going to touch on a bunch of things. I hope this is a really interesting show for listeners and I hope, yeah, to hear Alison's thoughts on these, these things. But first, would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Anything else about yourself? Um, yes. Uh, thanks, Iris. It's great to be joining you today on Queering the Air. 
as well as the things um, that you've said, I'm the Melbourne organiser for the Freedom Socialist Party. I'm a member of Radical Women and I also represent the Freedom Socialist Party in the Indigenous Social Justice Association, which is a group campaigning to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. I'm a union delegate with the Community and Public Sector Union, union and a lifelong LGBTIQ liberationist. Awesome. So firstly, moving to what, have been, what we've been seeing in terms of protests at the moment. So we're seeing the state sort of using the pandemic as cover to repress protests, particularly in Sydney lately. We haven't seen many protests in Melbourne since the Black Lives Matter protests in terms of protests more to the left than what we're seeing. Um, could you talk about how the state's using the pandemic as cover to repress protests? Because Radical Women, Radical Women put out a press release on this. Um, yes, yes, indeed, um, we did. It was a joint press release between uh, Radical Women and the Freedom Socialist Party, and we were amplifying the ideas in a statement that we published um, where we argued um, that it is um, absolutely crucial that uh, we have a health response rather than a policing response to COVID-19. And um, we're very, very concerned about some of the inconsistencies um, that we're seeing. Just this week, uh, here in Victoria, we had the Martin Pakula, the minister responsible for the racing industry, mm. making a decision that it was um, hunky-dory fine um, to have hundreds of people at Mooney Valley to be watching racing while at the same time um, there are very, very strict limits on what people can do. Now, Freedom Socialist Party and Radical Women are absolutely in favour of uh, strong public health responses based on science in response to the pandemic. Where we are critical uh, is when we actually see inconsistencies that don't make sense and when we see lots of money uh, being invested in increased policing but the healthcare requirements um, not being adequately resourced. And I think we're seeing um, significant problems in particularly in New South Wales and here in Victoria. Now, in New South Wales, the state government has put a huge amount of emphasis on the fact that the New South Wales economy is open for business. Thousands of people are able to go to sporting matches. Uh, people can go to pubs, restaurants. All of these kinds of things are perfectly, perfectly fine, but yet uh, for people wanting to, ex to exercise their civil liberties and their 
democratic rights, there's a different standard. Now, in your introduction, Iris, um, you mentioned um, some of the really significant uh, um, clampdowns that have been happening in New South Wales. On the 10th of October, um, there were arrests and thousands of dollars of fines uh, issued against people who were protesting the horrific um, One Nation initiated transphobic bill in New South Wales that would uh, basically snuff out um, the ability for any kind of affirmation in schools of gender fluidity and for um, for gender diverse youth, um, for for trans teens and trans children, um, this is like absolutely horrific. And of course, it is really important to get out to protest and to stop this transphobic bill that Mark Latham um, is trying to ram through from getting passed. This is a, a, a health question. It's a, a life and death issue. But yet um, when masked protesters um, took to the streets, uh, there was a, a clampdown, arrests and fines. The same thing has been happening on campuses uh, across New South Wales where students and academics have been protesting the attacks that have been happening on higher education. And there were a number of protests at the University of Sydney that were organised in a way that were strictly COVID safe. People were masked, physically distanced and organised um, in groups of 19 spread across the campus, absolutely complying um, with all the public health regulations and yet there were mass arrests and um, almost $50,000 in fines have been issued to students um, at the University of Sydney. There's been similar repression uh, against uh, Black and Indigenous Lives Matter protests and, again, um, campaigning to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody is something that's a health issue. It's a life and death issue it's not something that's discretionary for, for those targeted. In Victoria, um, we've seen similar things happening as well. Uh, in the lead up to Easter, the Refugee Action Collective organised a perfectly safe um, car caravan to, um, to, to protest and to get calls out there for refugee rights. Um, again, that was prevented from taking place. There were there, there were fines, and um, uh, protest organisers um, have been charged with the very dangerous charge of incitement. So, mm. what we really need is we need some consistency in that we need a healthcare response, um, not a policing response, and we need decisions. Um, to be based on science. Mm, yeah, for sure. Picking up a few things in that 
And we've also seen concerningly a measure by the Andrews government to like preemptively detain people and a lot of pushback resulted in that getting watered down, that, that bill that was recently being discussed in the Victorian Parliament. So this is, yeah, this question of protesting civil liberties being under attack, um, like the state, like attacking them. And yeah, the other question, the other thing your points are going to are, I guess, fines. And how are fines a health measure when we're seeing, as you pointed out, we're seeing women escaping violence or like people in, like anyone in an abusive relationship escaping violence. You mentioned someone was fined for a COVID-related breach in, in, in the media release, as well as we're seeing huge numbers of criminalised people, black, indigenous, people of colour, um, like given these extraordinary fines. Is there anything else you'd like to... Yeah. Yes, like absolutely. It's, um, it's not just uh, the right to protest, um, that when... Uh, governments engage in a policing response rather than a healthcare response. Uh, this is something that falls um, really, really heavily on particular communities. We did not see uh, the wealthy people who'd been at an Aspen ski party um, who lived in Paran. Um, locked down in their homes and surrounded by police. But that's exactly what we saw in the uh, North Melbourne and Flemington Housing Commission. Uh, We are seeing incredible inconsistency in terms of how fines are being issued. It's largely in poorer communities and working-class communities that the largest number of fines um, are being issued. And um, there's a really, really interesting uh, website uh, which is um, run by the um, Police Watch Project at the Flemington Kensington Community Legal Centre where people are actually able to report instances of police abuse and uh, that was where we actually got the information that they'd received a report that a person who was fleeing um, uh, domestic violence ended up um, copying a fine for a a, a COVID-related breach and this is something that is really, really problematic. So um, what we are calling for Um, is we are um, calling for the right to be able to organise COVID-safe protests. We are calling for exercising control over the police. Um, What we want to see is we want to see bodies like elected civilian review boards that are elected by communities, accountable to communities, and have the power to be able to manage um, uh, police abuse and uh, what we also want to see is we want money to be redirected from policing and um, put into healthcare and one of the really interesting um, things that I actually read this week it was something that came out in the um, inquiry into hotel quarantine Mm -hmm. here in Victoria, um, that 
in March this year, there was only one single public servant in the whole state of Victoria who had responsibility for infection control. Mm. And that was several months um, after the start of a pandemic. Uh, there's also been stuff coming out in the media about healthcare workers not having proper access to the very best of personal protective equipment. And what we really need is we need resourcing shifted away from policing and put into those really essential things that are important for a health response. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Yes, for sure. And yeah, picking up that point about the state only having one public servant in the entire state dedicated to infectious, one component of infectious diseases um, before this pandemic, you're you're heavily, heavily involved in responding to the HIV AIDS pandemic in the 1980s. Um, and as part of that response, you're part of a movement that sort of like one from the government resources to tackle pandemics that I guess we've seen sort of wound back for decades. So like, yeah, there's always a struggle to keep what you've won, I guess, but like there is heaps one still. Um, but yeah, I'd like to move towards talking to, about that. Um, Cause I've heard, yeah, it's very different pandemic pandemic, obviously, but the response came from community because, like, government neglected it in terms of a community-based response to education and precautions. Yeah, so a bit, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. rather than, yeah, than what we have. So, yeah, it's a very different dynamic. And, yeah, do you have any, what's your immediate reflections on lessons to learn from what you're involved in? organising around the HIV-AIDS pandemic? Yes, look, um, I think that there's really um, a lot to learn. And one of the things that was really important at the time that the HIV um, actually hit in the early 80s, the gay liberation movement um, was quite strong um, very well organised here in Australia and it was um, very, very important that there was a strong community response, a a political response, a response that um, demanded science uh, drive what was going on and a response that insisted that those who were impacted that the community be listened to. And there really had to be some very, very big fights in relation to HIV AIDS. Uh, Some of the uh, enormous fights around funding for for drugs, like the the mobilisations by ACT UP, all of these things were enormously important and I think that there's a lot um, that we can learn from that pandemic uh, today and that is uh, that it is very very important that we 
have clear demands um, that we stand up and that we fight for our rights. I think it's also important that we uh, look at um, some... I think that there are some real similarities between HIV and COVID-19 in that both of um, both of the diseases were zoonotic diseases, and um, the there are environmental factors that are shaping uh, the the things that are actually happening to us today, and. One of the things that the Freedom Socialist Party is actually working on right now, we're going to have a very special event on the 1st of December this year to mark World AIDS Day. It's going to be an, an, an online Zoom event where we'll be paying tribute to World AIDS Day, but also um, looking at some of the science behind um, what's actually driving zoonotic diseases and drawing together some of those similarities between HIV, which was really an, an early warning, um, and what we're actually seeing now with COVID-19. Um, because the science is enormously important, the resourcing is enormously important, and having clear demands that we can be fighting for is enormously important. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That sounds really exciting that there's going to be a forum on on 1st of December. Um, yeah, I was also thinking about what were the big political questions in responding, to, like some of them. Obviously, it's a big question in terms of what you think about what we can learn from from today it's a bit vague but if you have any thoughts on that well um i think the first thing that we can learn is that the capitalist system is a system that has one set of priorities and the set of priorities is to make the world safe for profit and for, for everyday um, people, especially um, for LGBTIQ folks, um, we have um, very different demands. We want the world um, to be made safe from a health perspective. And so whether we're actually looking at COVID or whether we're looking at HIV, the thing that is really important is that we focus on and we fight for what we need. And what we need is we need the best healthcare. What we need um, is we need healthcare workers and uh, and consumers of healthcare to be the ones in the driver's seat. And I think that that's um, one of the really interesting things from the, the HIV pandemic, um, and that is that people living 
with HIV really fought to have a voice and and fought to be heard. And what we need um, is more than to be heard. We need to be in charge. We need healthcare workers. We need healthcare consumers um, to be the ones that are driving the agenda um, rather than the the needs of, of profit. Um, so that's a really um, key thing that we learned in the 80s that we can be applying to today. Mm, yeah, we're seeing that play out so much in how like precarity and capitalism has driven like a pretty out of control pandemic here and well, less so here because the response at the moment has contained the virus, but around the world, but it played a big part in it spreading. Um, so picking up a point, joining what we talked about earlier about policing, what what was the response to like the state stigmatizing people with HIV AIDS and sort of pushing for criminalization? What was it like pushing back against that? I mean, like there was um, a huge amount of discrimination against people living with HIV AIDS. And uh, one of the things that I think the movement recognised really early in the piece was that we were facing not only a health crisis but a political crisis. And um, I, I think if we actually compare HIV and the the situation with COVID, we saw um, some similarities in that there was an incredible rise um, early in the pandemic of uh, racist incidents towards Asian Australians. And it, like, again, um, this was something that was uh, driven by discrimination and fear and something that was crucial to resist. Yeah, for sure. It's such a crucial thing to push back against that sort of oppression and stigmatisation and to build solidarity. Um, I think I have a question about how do you see pink dollar politics right, having got, okay. got in a way of sort of responding to policing in this pandemic and like reflecting on that in terms of the HIV AIDS pandemic as well. Yeah, um, look, it, um, it's really it, like interesting um, that, you're, that you're asking that question. I've, um, I've just finished um, writing an article for uh, Bent Street. Uh, listeners are probably aware of Bent Street. It's um, an annual publication of LGBTIQ writing, arts and ideas. And um, this particular piece was um, looking at uh, policing and the LGBTIQ community. And it's really important, like when we think about our community, um, that our community is not um, a homogenous community that is comprised um, solely um, of 
wealthy white gay men and um, there are um, many um, within the LGBTIQ community who are particularly targeted and I think the example that's come out this year of um, the IBAC investigation into hares and hyenas is a really, really um, good example. Uh, listeners of Queering the Air will obviously be aware of um, what happened when there was a police raid um, on the residents um, above hares and hyenas and um, and Nick Demopoulos uh one of the, the 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 people there ended up being um, severely injured um, by the police. He was fleeing because he was fearing um, a homophobic in, in invasion um, of the the premises. And what the cops um, ended up saying was that, like, they were looking for someone of Lebanese appearance. Um, so they were uh, racially profiling, and that there are there are so many within the L LGBTIQ community um, who are over policed, whether it's um, uh, homeless queers, um, young trans people, sex workers, um, it, like. Indigenous um, people of colour, LGBTIQ people, and um, any kind of um, sense that the LGBTIQ community um, has a, a stake in policing, I think is something that's really fraught. And our whole movement... Um, was built on resisting um, police oppression um, from Stonewall and before Stonewall, the the, the Compton's Diner riot um, here in Melbourne, the the protests against the 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 Tasty raid, and our community is one um, that very much does not um, have a a stake in increased policing. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely do hope that, yeah, like um, there's more and more people being drawn back back to the ongoing like radical roots, ongoing and like people who, yeah, come to, who maybe don't have the consciousness around policing come to that. And obviously there's like massive sections of the LGBTI communities that, already resisting and facing police violence every day. Um, yeah, unless you have anything else to add. Um, yes, uh, I I do. And I'm really glad, Iris, um, that you're emphasising the radical roots um, because both Radical Women and the Freedom Socialist Party has our origins um, very much in those radical roots. Um, and so we would love to um, hear from any listeners to Queering the Air, Queering the Air who are interested in um, working with us around these issues in 
getting involved. At the moment, uh, Radical Women is uh, focusing on a project called COVID Capitalism and How to Fix This Mess. We've been having um, a fortnightly brainstorm that's focusing on solutions uh, and we're going to be uh, launching um, some important talking points around that. There's the Freedom Socialist Parties Forum that's coming up. So people can find us on Facebook um, or uh, at um, socialism.com. Awesome. Yeah. Check that out, listeners. And yeah, to your earlier point about Ben's treat, I did come across the article that you wrote, Rainbow Warriors Unite. And that was a really good one to check out also for listeners. Um, yeah, thanks so much for joining me on Queering the Year, Alison. Thank, thank you so much, Iris, for the, um, the opportunity. Stay safe, everyone. That was Alison Thorne from Radical Women, the Freedom Socialist Party, and longtime LGBTIQ plus liberationists. Next up, we have some music. And if you just joined us, you're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Queering the Air, and I'm Iris. We have a bracket featuring some local music. We have Jenny by June Jones, followed by Poison by Dark Water, and then Kings of Plinths by Edith Lane. Enjoy. The media in this country, we as Indigenous people know, have censored our right of telling the truth and the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular Indigenous truths. Until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare and spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in, it's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media as a warfare against our people, and so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're, they're all weapons of mass destruction against our, our people. We need to keep radical voices on air Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 
Peter Flane with Kings of Flints, and you're listening to Crewing There on 3CR Community Radio. Before that, you heard Poison by Dark Water, and a new release by June Jones, Jenny. So we've reached the end of today's show on Crewing There. Thanks for listening to us today. Tune back at 3pm Sunday next week for a more Crewing There. Up next is Salam Radio Show. Stay tuned to 3CR Community Radio. Isolated? Quarantined? Need some essentials but can't leave the house? Or just having a hard time dealing with everything at the moment? Queer Aid NAM is a new mutual aid group of organised volunteers. We're here, we're queer and we've got your back. Whether or not that's how you identify, nobody should be suffering because capitalism or the state didn't provide what they needed. That's why we're working to strengthen our communities through solidarity. Put in a request for help and we'll match you with a volunteer in your area who can either pick up groceries or other essentials for you, help you run errands, cook meals for you, or check in with how you're going. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, or if you want to join the volunteer list, find us on queeraidmelbourne.org or search for us via Facebook. COVID-19 Queer Aid Nam Melbourne. So tell your family and your friends and don't forget your neighbours. That's QueerAidMelbourne.org, a 3CR supporter. Wake up in the morning, what's the point in getting dressed? When your thighs are on fire and your eyes are gyrating Salivating beak and your lips are masturbating Rabbit had it, saw some men from the boys Shove his head in the pillow cause he's making too much noise Boy. Neighbors complaining, the cops just overhead Chatting you have a lot of this, you'll be fucking when you're dead Your girls are cool, your girls are tease man Rabbit up's a handicap and they don't take it seriously Ladies and gentlemen, it's beyond a joke When you're about to poke, they're up in smoke yeah. Blokes on the other hand are handy when you need a hand A happy slap up on the back and bend it down And give it that, they're cool, that's a good or bad Being fags are happy fat, one thing that no good for me it's heterosexuality. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.